Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Welcome to this week's episode of the Prestige, a podcast about films made by film lovers for film lovers. Each week we take a different film, we look at it in depth, we talk about some of the themes and ideas that, that film throws up, and we end with recommendations for further watch based on that week's film. At the moment we're going through various genres into our, our fourth season of the podcast. More on that a bit later. But we always start each week with what else we've been watching. So, Rob. I have been watching a brand new sitcom that I'd recommend. Now, normally I recommend movies here. But uh, in lieu of the, I mean, in the face of the overwhelming pandemic around the world, sometimes you want something a little bit lighter, a little bit shorter, a little bit easier going. Um, so I have checked out the very, very recent release on Netflix of Space Force, which is a Steve Carell-fronted sitcom by the same guy who made The American Office. And it's a similar sort of vibe, a workplace comedy set in the brand new American Space Force. We're only two episodes in, I think, two, two or three, but I'm really enjoying it. I never got on board with The Office and it's kind of awkward humour that kind of never gelled too well with me. Um, but this seems to be kind of right in my wheelhouse of kind of humour I enjoy and uh, not too awkward for me. There's some great support from John Malkovich as the head of the science division, Ben Schwartz, um, who I know from Parks and Rec, popping up in this, and a bunch of other people who go, oh yeah, them and them. There's a lot of, you know, character bit actors in the way that uh, a lot of American sitcoms are. If you haven't seen it, it's A, very funny, and B, if you like space, if you like that kind of thing like I do, it's uh, it plays to those strengths. Who was he in Parks and Rec? He was uh, John Paul. Is that his name? Oh, uh, John Ravio. John Ravio. That's one. Yes, John Ravio. Yes, he is the social media um, operator for Space Force. Sam, what about you? Well, continuing the theme of Sam watches things six months after Rob does. Um, this week, I saw the 2015 film The Man from Uncle, and I have not seen the original series. Uh, but it seemed to me to be quite... It was enjoyable, it was well-made. Um, Henry Cavill and Army Hammer are very good. Um, Alicia Vikander is nice to look at. And it just... It bubbles along quite nicely. It was... It, it was... I've talked about this before, that like not amazing films, but just films that you really wouldn't mind watching again and again. It was that sort of... So solid seven and a half out of ten for me. It was really good. Really enjoyed it. Excellent. I I was a big fan. I think it's one of those movies that if it got a seven out of ten sort of recognition when it came out, it would have moved on. But I think part of it for me for that one is that it didn't get any big big names or recognition when it came out. And no. I think it's a lot better than the recognition it has. If if that makes sense. No, I, I enjoyed that one. I especially enjoy I think this fight scene halfway through where you just watch me a sandwich for like two minutes. Mm. While the fight happens off scene. So I very much enjoyed that kind of twist on it. Yeah, it was really good. So as Sam mentioned at the start there, we are moving on with our fourth season, our season mini season, in which we're looking at high school movies. And this week we are looking at the 2016 film Sing Street. 
mother and I really are under a lot of pressure at the moment. We had a look at our accounts and... We're taking you out of school. We're not taking you out of school, we're transferring you. You'll be new name. What's your name? Connor Lawler. Shut up! We have a black shoe policy here, Mr. Lawler. They're brown, they're quite sensible. They're not black. Who knows what this new prison will do for you? This is your time. You see, it's beautiful. How come you're not in school? I'm a model. Cool. Do you want to be in a video for my band? See, if you're in a band, sing me a song. Take on me. We need to form a band. What? Connor's putting a band together. Oh, good Jesus. You play every instrument on to mankind. Probably. Show sure. the girl, isn't it? What's this? Homework. Have school in the morning. This is school. Rock and roll is a risk. You risk being ridiculed. Jesus, what are you all wearing? Yeah, we're just working that out. That's great fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Have you kissed her yet? She's got a boyfriend. Pulled off in his car, music blaring. What was he listening to? Genesis. No woman can truly love a man who listens to Phil Collins. So the guy with the car. It's complicated. As long as you're happy. You are truly on a hero's journey. Are you up to that? I think she's just an amazing human being. Think big, Connor. End of term disco at the school hall. I say we ask if we can play there. It's our first gig. It's gonna be amazing. I'll try and come. You have to come. Not exactly the Beatles, is it? I actually love this band. <laughs> <laughs> Sing Street is a musical, but it's a uh, coming of age high school movie set in Ireland in the 70s, in, 70s, in the 80s even. Um, it tells the story of Connor, a, um, a boy who moves to the local rougher school, and his attempts to woo a local girl by telling he's in a band and then starting that band and discovering that his band's quite good. I say musical in kind of, it just tread that line a little bit for where fantasy, where musicals move into fantasy sequences and where they are more in the scene, didactic musical rather than non-musicals. Sam, how did you find it? I really enjoyed this film. Um, there, were, there were times when I thought, I don't, I don't know, what wasn't entirely for me, maybe. I mean, but, but you could say the same for a lot of films maybe about a particular time in life. Um, I thought it was, it was really enjoyable, and I I think the the thing that I enjoyed most about it was the way that um, you've said it was a musical. Okay, it's it's kind of a musical, but at the same time, um, there is certain, certain musicals you get where um, the songs are sort of not really out of the blue, but they don't feel connected to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the dialogue so much. I mean, they okay. The subject matter is obviously connected, but at the same time, you feel there's a little bit of a step out. Not not a wrench, say, but even something like 
West Side Story, you think, well, it makes no sense that they'd suddenly be singing now about this, even though it's about the same thing. So things, and I'm not getting West Side Story. I love West Side Story, but there's there's that sort of suspension of disbelief required for certain musicals, and there was no suspension of disbelief required here. And I really enjoyed that about this film that it made perfect. I I think you could watch this film and not think it was a. You, I mean, it made perfect sense that you needed to know the song because the the song lyrics said so much about what was going on, and the musical style seemed to be like sort of little homages to uh, written down like Duran Duran and The Cure and Hall of Notes. It seemed to be every time he listened to something, he sort of soaked up musical influence. So that seems to be an important part of the film as well. So I I really I really enjoyed that those aspects of the film and in general I thought this is this is really well made. I I'm, I will join you on that and probably raise you a little bit. I thought this film was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I thought it was for me, especially with a high school movie, it ticked some really big boxes in that it a was well made and there's some really lovely lovely technical and stylistic choices in it. The idea is that there's a lovely shot in which the camera pans round Eamon's lounge. It goes from like him and Connor kind of working out the chords, and as it moves around, there's someone else in the room, and then Larry and Gary in the room, and then the mum's in the room, and it just kind of pans around as this song is formed. And the film does, I think, a really, really good job of visually showing the art of creation. Um, and, you know, there's some mm. really nice fantasy sequences. There's a whole sort of American high school prom moment. I really enjoyed that kind of, of having watched so many kind of prom moments in the last sort of nine, ten weeks of this movie series. I really like that. It kind of played with reality and unreality in that respect. But I also think, most importantly, it really nailed some of the emotional residences that you look for in a high school film. It really nailed that feeling of seeing someone, it kind of burning in you, and the fear that comes with someone new, and the fear of bullies, and the fear of authority, and the fear that the world around you is changing wildly, you can't cope. And the also the easy camaraderie that comes with meet, making, making friends and keeping those friends. And yeah, I just thought it really nailed that kind of high school teenage emotion that you look for in movies. I do have a quibble, and this is where, guys, we're going to get into the spoiler territory really fast. I don't like the ending. Um, the ending is the one bit that didn't sit well with me, because all the way through the movie, whilst that Rafina was the the catalyst for everything going on, the story felt more about the band coming together. It felt about him finding his friends and his peers and bringing people aboard. And even at the moment at the end when they bring on board the um, the bully and give him something to be part of the room with. I really liked that. And for the last act of the movie to be him to abandon them all and run to England, that I didn't like. I really felt, I, I watched that, I thought I get like, for the, for the two of them, the romance of it, I love that kind of, you know, fantasy-esque, we're going to get on the, and right over the sunset. But I, all I thought about was his friends leaving behind. Eamon, who has become his creative partner through the entire movie and has helped him write these brilliant songs, isn't going with him. And all the people who've got him there aren't going to get him any further. So that, at the ending, I felt a little bit of bad taste in my mouth for. But apart from that, I absolutely loved it. I thought the support from particularly his older brother, his older brother was is the standout from, from this, but also his parents and the um, teachers at the school and the random... It felt really kind of realistic and lived in. I really like that. I think... I, I, to be saying about the end, I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me. I 
didn't like the ending either for a completely different reason. Um, I just thought it was a bit naff, and I didn't like the green screen and sort of um, to pretend mm. to be at sea when they evidently were. And I thought what worked and what they should have ended with was Jack Rayner's reaction, the brother's reaction when mm. he sees them leave and he punches the air. That that is where I mean that's a um, you go back to. Um, walking across, what's, what's his name? Walking across the um, football field and punches the air. That felt like it felt like if the film had ended with that, mm. that moment of that moment when you thought, well, okay, I understand that this is about the band, but it's also about the fact that Jack Rayner didn't do what he mm. wanted to. So it's a little bit of a sort of redemptive moment for him and um, pride for his brother and. Just it, I, I just really like that, and I would have loved it if the film had ended there rather than have this sort of rubbish bit at sea tacked on the end. I was reading an interview with the director who, without giving anything away in his interview, he did say it was very interesting to him that so many people were taking the ending as real. Mm. Um, because obviously, he says, you know, throughout the movie, we've played with fantasy sequences, um, and there's a lot of that in the movie. And it's so interesting to him that everyone everyone thinks the ending is not a fantasy and is real. Mm. Um, and he didn't confirm either way, but it did feel a little bit like that, very much that kind of going into the sunset kind of fantasy. And I did like, it was a very weird, I don't know whether it was intentional throwback, but obviously the um, Rio song earlier, the video, which is all of Duran Duran on the boat, um, dance around with beautiful women. And then, mm. and that, seems, that was a big sort of catalyst moment in the movie to be echoed at the end by him and the beautiful woman being blasted in the in the uh, the Irish Sea um, yeah. by this kind of not a realistic version, but almost the flip side of that kind of glamorous Rio. I kind of like the idea of that, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think the ending not lets down, but it isn't the strongest part of the movie. And you, I say, I hadn't thought of it that way, but ending on the reaction would have been lovely because, like, part of me thinking it's a good chance I'll die doing that. You know, it, yeah. it, it's a little boat, it's a big sea, and I think. You know, it, it, him stepping out and having that shot of the brother would have been a good ending because a lot about the movie is about being bold, about doing the thing that is brave. You know, he plays the, sad, the, sad, the slow song at the school disco and yeah. he wears makeup and he does all these things that are brave and confident and, you know, all the talk with the old brother about sex pistols and, like, not knowing what you're doing is part of the power. And I think leaving the ending ambiguous of what happened, did they make it, did not, would have been a stronger ending. But mm. that's it, minorable. I don't want to dive much further. I think the thing that I did love is that it is, it is so evocative. And we talked about being a musical. And it is a musical in that respect. Because a lot of things about musicals generally is they always say, you know, we sing when we can't speak anymore. And so in a good musical, let's say, the songs that come out of it tend to be the oath of emotions. When a scene gets too much, they break into song. Um, and then you have the other ones, which are more sort of, pop musicals, shall we say, um, jukebox musicals, things like Trolls, which are just, they just sing, they sing a song that's related to how they're feeling, um, are very different. With this, it was a nice little hybrid because they are pop songs, they are singing them at a concert or they are singing them on a video they're making or that kind of thing, but they are very much his emotional journey through them. Mm. They do reflect how he's feeling, they do reflect his relationship with Rafina, with his friends, with his life, with his parents. They ha- it ha- but by the process of watching him create the songs as we go through, it has that same kind of vibe of 
the words he's singing are part of what he's trying to say that he can't say in real life. And you have that in the very first, even before you see anything, the, before you get visuals, you have him turning his parents' argument into a song. Mm-hmm. So from the like the very first moment of the film, this is sort of wrapped up in his his emotional reaction to a situation is always going to be in his songs, and it feels it's like it does does feel like there's something more something more real about that with greater emotional depth about that. And this is why I feel this is not. I mean, I don't want to say not a musical because that sort of denigrating of musicals, but it, it just feels like. This is this is a bit more than just a musical. Um, it, the thing is, the the strength of the emotions is what drives us. And I, I was thinking because you you talk, I hadn't thought about the emotions, the relationship he has with Eamon, the songwriter relationship in the band, which you write is huge. But and I was I was drawn to the relationship with Brendan with Jack Rayner. That I mean, you think when when. Driving Away You Stole It goes into the title of one of the songs. You think about like just the extent that he worships his older brother. Yeah. You think this is a love story about a 15-year-old boy and his older brother. This is not... I mean, okay, the, the relationship with Rafina is important, but that feels like that's secondary. And maybe that that ties into what you're saying about the ending. I don't think you, you hit on the head there, but the film does feel like a little bit like a love story. For we, weirdly, the uh, the one I thought was going to go somewhere was him and Eamon. That, that mm-hmm. songwriting partnership, that they have that real close, in, in his moments of low, that's where he goes to create. And the bond mm-hmm. they have, um, it has got that kind of stylings of a rom-com, that, the, the, the romance in the two of them. And mm-hmm. I think that is maybe that's why the ending for me didn't sit so well. It's like, I get that it's a romance, but Rafina wasn't wasn't a romance. No. You know, like it was a young love, and like we're watching a whole series of Huckleberry movies, and young love is a large part of that. You know, it's your first crush, your first kiss, all of that is a big part of the husband's experience. But I don't know where, where it's going. You know, Sam and I are in our late thirties. At a certain point, I'm just kind of like, you're fifteen and she's sixteen. Like this probably isn't forever. You know, and I don't know whether that's a cynical cynic in me at times. But I thought the film, like this film, did such good work in establishing this group of friends, this cohort of people. You know, you see the way that when they move musical genres, they all change how they look and they all dress up and they all kind of bond together as this, this, this gang, this musical creative gang. Mm. And I thought that for me, that was the love story of the movie was him falling in love with creation and his friends and all of that and getting this, this family together. As his real family fell apart, he got yeah. a real good blood brother family coming and then to throw him all the way at the end for a girl who didn't want him like two days ago yeah you know she, she went off with someone else and i get it's a movie it is over the top it's a musical movie like inherently it is a overarching over top kind of story it's very symbolic rather than realistic but at the same time i just kind of felt there's a really good way to land this and having done such great work all the way through it um yeah it was a bit sad because i do think one of the strengths of this is it, it is its bit parts it is gary and larry the uh bassist and the drummer who are um who have each other and they're okay and it is um Eamon, all these kind of people and it's Eamon's mum and he's like that little character arc that Eamon's mum has where she goes from thinking her her husband who is in rehab for alcoholism and her son's following the footsteps and she's so resistant to them doing this 
And then, like, a couple of songs later, she's dancing in the lounge with them as they play. Mm. And she's got a little art that goes on there. And I just thought that was really, really nice. The kind of the strength of this movie is its, its other characters. Yeah, I was... It, it, I suppose this is not a bit by characters. This is just um, something Rafina mentions, that it's evident that she was sexually abused by her father. And it's just... It's not dwelt on at all. It's just something that she brings up and then moves on from. And, like, I... I I like that about this film, and also, like you say, with with the bit part characters, it's a similar thing that you don't. It didn't feel heavy handed. Exactly, exactly. And I just think that's it's it's it was so good in that respect, and that's where I think that it really. I'm trying to think of the word for it because we we use realism too much on this podcast, and this film isn't a realistic film, but it felt whole and complete, and it felt that the little interactions mattered, and the little interactions were important. And realistic and like the bully who makes him dance and like that was weird it's so weird yeah as a bullying tactic but in many ways not unrealistic you know most bullies aren't fighting you in the hallways because then they're in trouble too yeah most bullies are humiliating you and mocking you and trying to put you down and yeah that was a weird one but it felt like something that could probably happened to the the writer in real life it felt like a really lived-in experience yeah and I thought, like, so much of this stuff that isn't kind of side by side. We've talked a lot about the Marvel movies and the Marvel formula of movies, where everything serves the forward-driving plot. They're getting to the end game. They're getting this. And there is no fat on those films, which is brilliant for what they're doing. But here, there's so much of this movie that's, that's fat. It's just, you know, the whole thing about his mum sitting outside. The whole scene where she discussed the mum sitting outside, wanting to get some sunlight. Hmm. And how she wanted to go to Spain and never took on all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's building into this dissatisfaction of their marriage. But it's a whole thing. You didn't need that. Just really having an affair. Like, there's all there's a lot going on. And the film spends the time, for a, an hour and 40-minute film, which flies by, it really spends the time to fill out all these characters. I was thinking about that. I'm, one of the things I'm watching with my wife at the moment is the latest series of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And that's, mm. that's one of the brilliant things about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that... Even though like the episodes are what twenty minutes long, whatever it is, and like comparatively, it, it flies by just as this film does. They take time to do things like that. you had one one episode which they had sort of Captain Holt having a, a a banal conversation with his husband on the phone, and then mm. and then there's there's one episode that ends with two men eating lasagna for the credits. That's it. And like you just think, well, there's something brilliantly, and this, this you've mentioned it before. This is a film about creativity, and it feels like this mm. film is not afraid to be creative in the way that it expresses itself as well. And yes, it's about some aspects of creation and sort of teenage creation of music and creation of art and the way things look and the way things sound. But at the same time. Like, this film is not afraid to be creative in the way that it's structured. And part of me really liked, and this is going to sound strange, I really liked that the band sucked to start with. Mm. Like, it, you know, it's so often that you watch these things where people form a band, they form a team, and all that kind of stuff. And you get the right people in the room, it clicks, and they're brilliant. You see that promise early on. And they don't, they suck. And there's a, whole, a brilliant scene where the brother gets the tape out and just literally pulls the tape out of the yeah. cassette. Um, and then wafts the door saying it stinks in here because of that. And like, it's nice that like, he's, like, they suck. Um, and then he's like, hey, well, you suck. Then we get better. And they work at it and get better at it. And 
you see the videos get better and the fantasies get better and the dreams get better and the songs get better. And, you know, Drive It Like You Stole It is an amazing song. It's a really good song. Um, and the film takes the time to show them getting better. Yeah. And it isn't about suddenly locking into the move they're going to do. Or you know, We often see sports movies where they suddenly just click. They suddenly click and they were, oh, we, we can do this with this person we've got here, we can do this, we can do that, and we can win. And this, they just... They just practice and they write songs, they perform songs and they sing and they dance and they get better at it. And I like that as a kind of that feeling of creativity is it's work as well. It's not just sitting around having inspiration going, aha, this flowed neatly from my pen into my keyboard and I sung it and it was perfect. They work it. You hear the early versions of these songs and you go, oh, no, slow it down and try that and put that in. And you see this whole thing going through. Now, the director is around known for these. He does a couple of movies about songs and writing songs. But I really, really like that here. I did want just to add a pretentious note to a film that's about being a pretentious teenager. Um, the title, Sing Street, is taken from the school they attend, which is Sing, S-Y-N-G-E, Street. Um, and is named after an Irish playwright, Sing. So even from the very beginning of this, school that's supposed to be about being straight-laced and following the rules and so being being religious even when it's not when like that that's what the christian brothers say is all, already about creativity it's already so this this playwright this playwright's name sing is bubbling under the surface so i, I like that At the very beginning you have a shot of the name of the street the school is on is in the first couple of minutes of the film and you have that from mm-hmm, from yeah. there you think, okay, well this is a film that's already about creativity. It's already about it. there's 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 going to gonna be something happening. Do you have some further reading for us? Now? Yes. Um I have one um recommendation based on an actor. Um we mentioned his parents, um probably not, not enough really, they're both very good. Um, and I wanted to talk about Maria Doyle Kennedy, not necessarily because of what I'm going to recommend, but which isn't very good, but she is brilliant in this. Um, so she was Sonia in Dexter, which is not great, and is I suppose it's sort of enjoyable fluff. Um, for the first season and a half, it was pretty good. It, it's it's follows source material quite closely at the beginning and then rapidly deviates when they realise they've got hits on their hands and they're like season after season of increasingly ridiculous programming. But the first sort of season and a half that is based on the book is itself very good. Um, so yes, that's my first recommendation is Dexter, the American TV series. My second recommendation is not act-related. It's it's more sort of tonal um not a musical, but also sort of about coming of age, about relationships between young people. Um, it's the 2007 film Son of Rambo, which I was really mm. surprised by when I saw it because I sort of dismissed it and didn't think I'd get on with it at all. And then I watched it by chance Sunday afternoon and was blown away. It was utterly brilliant. So those are my two recommendations. Dexter, which isn't great, but first season or so is good. And Son of Rambo, which is utterly brilliant. How about you? Uh, I, have, I agree on both recommendations. I have seen I think, most of Dexter. 
I think I bailed out in the last season and never got any further than that, which uh, seemed like yeah. quite cool from what I've heard. Um, so I've got two, one kind of thematic, once again, one kind of actorly. Now, we have talked a lot about the older brother because um, he is the not the perfect older brother, but he is that kind of mentor figure that a lot of movies have, that teen movie, particularly sort of teen. Often it's more sex comedies, but teen movies often have an older brother or an older sibling who is there as a bit of a voice and a bit of, uh, you know, you get through this kind of thing. He's very good in it, and he pops up in a movie that we've covered previously, Free Fire, um, which we covered back when we were looking at in its last season, this last season, when we were looking, he plays Harry, one of the um, the people who kicks off Digital Firefly. But when we were looking at the Ben Wheatley season, he is in that. It's a brilliant film that we talked a lot about when we discussed it, um, and I still love, and he's very good in that. Secondly, is a film from 2003 that I wanted to mention. And this is a film that didn't initially come to mind when I was thinking about um, Sing Street. But the more I think about it, the more... I really think it fits. And that's the 2003 film School of Rock, which is a Jack Black vehicle, a um, a comedy about a failed musician starting a band in a school when he's brought in as a producer. It's a very different in its humour and its style, but it does all of the same work about talking about creation, about talking about how you write songs. There's a whole scene where they talk about what annoys them. They, they, he helps them, coach them through writing their first song. Um... That does have that triumphant ending about the team coming together, the band coming together, which I really liked. Um, so, I mean, I think there's anyone who hasn't seen School of Rockets, uh, you know, a staple of people who were around at that time watching movies. But I think that it has that same kind of, I was probably more kiddie friendly, but it's that same kind of vibe about teaching people the creative process um, and everything that comes along. It's, I, I'm ne- I've never been a fan of Jack Black and I tend to like for his films in spite of myself. I think like things like um, High Fidelity and School of Rock, like, I feel like I should be turned off by the fact that he's in it, and then I'm really not. In spite mm. of myself, he's great. So that's us talking about Sing Street. We are going to be back uh, next episode, moving on to only last year. We're going to be looking at the 2019 directorial debut from Olivia Wilde, Book Smart. You can find it now on I think it's on Amazon Prime, probably. Till then, you can find both of us on Twitter at Pesci's Podcast. Find just me at Life underscore Academic. And you can find just me at Kaiju FM. And we'll be back in two weeks.